The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. Elsila Erin Lu e Govaden Win, Ma Govanin, Navwedi. Alright, really? That's just Elvish for this is a podcast about superheroes. I could have just said that, but it sounds cooler and Elvish. This is Totally Super. Welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And last week, we talked about what we're still talking about this week, Thor The Dark World, a film with a villain so weak, we went through an entire podcast about what we liked and disliked about the film without even mentioning the villain. Yep. We get all the way through it. We gave a a shout out here and there, but really that's something to talk about, uh, which we're (laughs) going to talk about today. Yeah, I Uh, think that's because, Justin, you you had this wonderful, in the last episode, you had this wonderful, well-crafted, thought out response for okay these this is where this movie sort of falls apart because there's a system of bloat and hybridization and you know it could have been a little shorter like you had this wonderful well-crafted thing and meanwhile for me my thought it's just like i can tell you why people don't like this in one word the villain there that's my thesis that's my essay i'm done i i i i don't want to spoil anything but i could doctor tell you who the problem is (laughs) um (laughs) Um, so yeah, we're going to just jump right in. Listen to last week if you want to hear about our general thoughts. But let's talk uh, about the about the cast of Thor, starting with Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Now, I threw this out last time that I feel like what they're doing with him in this film doesn't work as well as almost any incarnation. If there are five incarnations of Thor to go from, uh, be it the brash, over-blonded Thor from the first movie or the um, actually maybe he's my second. Maybe I will th- talk about it. Or this dark dramatic Thor in this one, or the Thor who is just kind of there in uh, in Age of Ultron. Although I really really love him on Earth in that film. Um, or uh, or you have um, Thor in in Ragnarok, the sort of sort of the funny oaf in Ragnarok, the the vengeful the the the, the vengeful brother in Infinity War, and uh, the recovering depressive in Endgame. This is, with the possible exception of Infinity War, my least favorite Thor. He is he is. It just doesn't play to what Hemsworth's strengths is. I don't feel like there's anything they're calling on him to do that any other fairly good dramatic actor could do. I feel like there's nothing he's doing here that that any of the cast of Game of Thrones could not do in his place. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like while what he's doing is adequate and he's still finely cast as Thor, um, I could see why after this film, uh, he might be going, okay, I don't know why I'm here doing this. Um, he's adequate, but not nothing more than adequate in this. What's your thought? I don't disagree. Okay, good. T- you just pulled yeah, a fine talk, on talk. me. You jerk. <laughs> so Arthur has long, long said that the way to get Justin is when Justin comes to you and says, hey, what'd you think of this? You just go, go ahead. Yeah. No, I I, I can't. No, like, seriously, I don't disagree with you. Um, He didn't, he wasn't bad in this, uh, but if I had to, uh, you know, I, I wasn't watching it going oh man i hate chris hemsworth so much but at the same time he was just he was fine and as it just so happens is that compared to his other thors fine thor is the weakest yeah well i think that when you're watching a movie a giant 
film about Thor, you can't just be walking away feeling like Thor is okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem. And I think it's a problem that luckily they learned how to fix. So that's that's good. Okay, Natalie Portman on Jane Foster. I'll let you go first on her. Um, I think Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman is it's interesting because man, you give her a meaty scene and she is phenomenal. I mean, she had she had ten minutes in Cold Mountain, and with those ten minutes, she broke my heart in ways that's never been broken before. Um, on the other hand, if you don't give her good materials, sometimes she just there are some people who can make who can take nothing and make it really work. Natalie Portman, if you give her something, will astonish you. But you give her nothing, and she's not going to do much with it. Um, I got, uh, I, I didn't get full Amidala from this, uh, but it was, it was, I don't want to say lackluster, because she was still there, she was still, she was doing the work, and at the end of the day, the fault lies with the writers for not giving Jane. Uh, Jane wasn't much more than the person who needed to be saved, and had a couple funny lines and interactions with Thor, and with Darcy. And in those scenes, she was great. They just didn't happen very often. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, in an interview, Natalie Portman wrote, it was a whole different adventure this time because Jane is the fish out of water. I didn't want to make it Bill and Ted or like a valley girl dumped into Shakespeare land. So here's the thing. She seems like a valley girl dumped into Shakespeare land. Um, she's smiling and being inappropriate at, at weird times. She's like, yeah, look at that. It's, it's really... I, she's bad in this. And I would say that of the times I've seen movies with Natalie Portman in them, um, I would say that she is very good like 25% of the time and she's bad about half of the time. Um, she's very inconsistent, especially when you get the sense that she doesn't want to. I feel like this is a contra- contractual obligation for her. I didn't feel mm-hmm. that she was that into doing it. Um, and and sort of the way I felt about her in um, in parts of Star Wars and and some of its editing, some of its choices. You can do a lot of choices in editing. I felt a lot like I did about um, Rey in The Last Jedi um, where there are times when she's smiling at things that I don't know why she's smiling. I don't know why she's she, she's reacting very bizarre ways. And I feel like they just like a take of, of Natalie Portman's beautiful smile of which she has one. And they just put that take in and, and I'm not, I'm not digging the choices. Um, so Are they, remind uh, me, she's, I, she's being used for love and thunder, right? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, um, I'm keen, but I'm keen to see what they do with that storyline. Well, and here's the thing. It's everything I've seen Taika Waititi do. Um, especially if you watch Jojo Rabbit, um, he can take absurd fun. It looks like everybody's having a great time on his sets and everything I've seen with him in it. Um, like, like every interview I've seen, he's, there's a great bit with all the directors from the Mandalorian cause he directed the best episode of the Mandalorian. Um, and, uh, and he seems like a guy who really wants to keep people happy on his sets. And I think people give him just a little bit more. I believe because of all things, I really like Natalie Portman in a movie called, uh, oh, I can't remember now. It's like a stone. It's like a medieval stoner comedy. And I can't remember what it was. Um, but medieval she was really stoner funny. comedy. Uh, yeah. Hold on. I'm going to, let me. That's yeah. uh, that's an interesting is, uh, combination there. Uh, uh, this is called Your Highness. Huh. Um, with uh, with Danny McBride, James Franco, and Natalie Portman in medieval times. Um, All right. And she's she's really funny in it. She can be really funny. Um, and I feel like I, I feel like again we're not getting the best out of her. So that's it. Um, let, I will start off as uh, uh for Loki. 
Um, I think Tom Hiddleston in this role is maybe the the most consistently good actor. He always seems like he's super happy to be there. Like this guy seems to really love that he's Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a passion for him in doing it. Um, I feel like he gives great understated work here. He gives great evil Loki here. He gives great funny Loki. Um, when you see Chris Evans, he's a, it's actually him doing Chris Evans' voice. If you've ever, if you really oh, want to have fun, Google, Google Tom Hiddleston imitations. His Chris Evans is, is nuts how good it is. Um, but mm-hmm. he is an amazing, um, it does amazing imitations. Um, so, so I think that he is arguably the best thing about this film. And, and I'm going to say that a lot. He's the best thing about many of the things that he's in. Certainly the best thing about the first Thor, maybe the best thing about the Avengers. So what is, what is your thought on, on Tom Hiddleston as Loki? In this uh, film? I, I agree. No, I'll give more than that. I just wanted to make you squirm. Thank you. Uh, the, yeah. um, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. I think this might be my favorite Loki. Certainly um, in Thor, we saw his first real discovery with the character. He really came into the character in Avengers. And I feel like this film was him taking all the discoveries that he'd made in Avengers and really just going to town with them. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Hiddleston has, uh, even at his weakest, Hiddleston's Loki has been, has always been stellar. Um, all right. I will let you, uh, you take, first on Anthony Hopkins's Ode. So here's the thing with Anthony Hopkins very frequently and this is his this is his particular acting style um, with just about everything except for Hannibal Lecter where Hannibal Lecter I feel like he made some really strong choices. Uh, there's a lot of films where he's just sort of there but the thing is he's there and it's so clear like just Anthony Hopkins natural demeanor implies that there is so much going on beneath the surface. Uh, you know if you look at Odin in the comics um, it would be very easy to imagine an Odin that is... I mean, because Odin is brash and hot-headed and very quick to anger. And, uh, you know, you could see the Odin in the comics frequently, like, at, you know, either on the throne or even in the tavern. Um, Hopkins's Odin is more reserved. And I, I'm not... It's not that I dislike it. Uh, when they first cast Hopkins as Odin, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Now watching it again, and I liked the choice... I liked the choices that he made. Uh, you know, I don't think he was boring at all. In every every line that Hopkins delivers even though on the surface it might seem a little flat like leaning in there's a lot going on underneath that being said I couldn't help but this time through wondering okay who else would I have cast as Odin like whereas with Loki there's no point where I'm thinking oh who else would have worked as Loki because the answer is Tom Hiddleston's doppelganger and nothing else. Um, whereas for for Odin, I was thinking I bet I could have. I'd be interested to see what other actors would do with this character. Uh, I agree. Um, uh, I think that, that I do. I agree with everything you're seeing by the acting. Anthony Hopkins on his worst day is better than most actors on their best. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know I do think there are aspects of of you know especially after seeing him give a very nuanced performance recently in a show called Westworld. Um, oh yes, where he is where he is you know he is not this. He is incredibly haunted and nuanced. So seeing that coming back to this and seeing oh he's he's doing the sensitive thing. Okay, got it. And that's kind of you know I feel like much like Chris Hemsworth, you're not paying to any of his strengths in this but he's adequate so mm-hmm. um i will start off with uh eric selvig i clearly have strong opinions about this i think is this is the worst possible choice for the character um stellan skarsgård seems uh game for what they're asking him to do but he seems like he's just in a completely different movie 
um, I found it distracting and frankly a little embarrassing. So that's all I got to say about him. Uh, yeah, I, there was it. It was a it was a character arc that didn't work. I think. Um, okay, give us your thoughts on Idris Elba as Heimdall. Um, you know what's interesting? Going back and rewatching these, I really I I forgotten just how much of an actual part of both the first and the second film Heimdall was uh, I mean he really comes into his own in the third film but uh, you know but he's still a major player in this and uh, Idris Elba brings a tremendous stoicness to the character that I, I always thought he was a very good choice for it um, you know he didn't blow me away necessarily but at the same time like Heimdall has a serves a very specific role in this film and I think Elba played that just fine um, uh, we'll skip Malekith and do him last. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Kat Dennings is Darcy. We, um, we talked about great. it. We love Darcy. Yeah. yeah I, I i love her she she is i don't like or dislike what they do with her character but this is an example of what you wish portman did because her character essentially has an assistant and runs mm-hmm. around and comments and she seems like an actress who's trying really hard to elevate that to something bigger and better without being obnoxious and scene stealing and it's hard she to is do given, when you're playing a character she is well, given nothing it's, it's hard to do when it's a character it. who is her character on the page is obnoxious. She's supposed to be. Everyone thinks that she's obnoxious. So to be able to play that character and not have it be obnoxious to the audience, but mm-hmm. instead have it be charming to the audience, is a real, it's a feat. And she does That's it. always a and tricky needle to very thread. little to do. She does it so well. Yeah, no, I would agree with um, that. Uh, what, were your, what were your thoughts on Rene Russo for Friga? Um, Rene Russo is, uh, like, it's funny, it's hearing you say that she's a welcome addition to this film, uh, points out just how little you noticed her in the first film where she was in the first film and just didn't have much. Oh, to do you're right. Say. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Uh, uh, this, uh, this film is, uh, is a real showcase for her. I love Rene Russo. I've always loved Rene Russo. Um, I love how she can instantly give off the warm motherly thing. And yet when she turns around and battles, you also completely believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe it's the warm motherly thing that's more striking for me. I, of course, know her from Lethal Weapon as being a a kick-ass badass. So seeing her be able to do both here, I think she's she's a great addition here. I love that this includes this uh, rather includes this allows her to have a scene stealing moment in Endgame, which is wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. that lets you rethink everything that happens in this film. Uh, um, this is so, it's so great. She's so good in this. Um, what are your thoughts on the Warriors three? Uh, it was good. My first thing was it, Zachary Levi was not that character. The first, like it was a different actor, right? The first time around. Correct. Yes. Um, I, I didn't dislike that first guy, but man, I love what Zachary Levi does with it. Uh, the Warriors three were great. Uh, so I will admit I have a, I always have a, a deep fondness for Lady Sif, mostly because she looks like my wife. Uh, like That's startlingly very true. I've always like thought my that. wife. Um, the, uh, you know, there was, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I agree. Um, she's, uh, there was, so she's been, uh, going on, she just finished an 80 day workout. Uh, and while at the same time during this whole pandemic, one of the things she's been doing is she's, she's been running a, uh, a Facebook group where that it exists to just to, with no judgment, just continuously encourage people to say, Hey, I'm working out today. And then I'm going to post something about my workout and you go ahead and, and work out today and, and post something about that too. And it's actually been a great support group and very, uh, inspirational for people, but she always tries to make a point to post at least one picture 
picture a day and there was one day where she wasn't sure that she was going to be able to get a picture in like she there was a lot going on she was really busy and she asked me if maybe I could jump on and post a picture uh, and I threatened that I would do so but that I would need in order for me to post a picture of what I envi what, what I envisioned every time I thought of my badass wife I would need to find a picture of Lady Sif uh, which you know she had no problem with uh, so yes I love um, uh, who's the actress who plays Sif again Jamie Jamie Alexander Alexander I, I really like what she does with it um, I, I again I love that the Warriors 3 really felt like they had even more to do in this one and uh, so yeah I think that um, uh, when we get to next week, we're going to, if there's a flaw in next week's film, it has to do with the Warriors 3, for sure. Um, um, so we, we've come to this moment, ladies and gentlemen, uh, where mm -hmm. we talk about the one guy we have not talked about at all. Um, the erstwhile very first Doctor Who of the modern era, Christopher Eccleston as Malekith, the ruler of the Dark Elves. Um, and and you seem to have some specific thoughts on this. So I'm just going to let you I'm going to I'm going to let you grab the ball and run with it. And uh, and we'll see where we go. What are your thoughts on Christopher Eccleston as Malekith and villains in general? sir? OK, here we go. Um, for starters, uh, Christopher Eccleston is completely unrecognizable in this role. And I do not mean that in a good way. Um, the what they did was they took somebody who even as we knew from Doctor Who, uh, they ca they took somebody who is known for being sort of uh, puckish and quirkish and you know and incredibly passionate um, in his in his acting styles, but in a very uh, in a in a very sort of uh, mercurial sort of way, and they cast him to play a character who, in the comics, is an incredibly dark, puckish, mercurial character who will, uh, you know, Malekith is in some way he is the Joker of the Nine Realms, indisputably in the comic, and then they basically put him into a role which, in this film, was just a was nothing more than a character in elf ears and white hair who not only just basically had a list of stock villain lines to say, such as, I will destroy all light in the universe, um, and, uh, you know, and things just like, you know, send the cursed upon them. So, you know, just your absolute stereotypical fantasy villain lines. And then had him do it all in a language that was completely made up and also completely unnecessary. Like, I guess, were they trying to make the Dark Elves seem more like a sci-fi Lord of the Rings? Because any, so not only was there not much dialogue for him to work with, but any dialogue that he could have done something interesting with, he really couldn't because he was saddled under the burden of having to do it in a completely different made-up language. There was one moment that stood out to me in this that I was like, oh, that was interesting. I saw a glimpse of character there. And that was when, uh, you know, he is facing off against Frigga and his henchman has got Frigga, um, you know, is choking her out. And, you know, and he says, tell me where the uh, where the ether is. And she says, I'll never tell you. And then he said, and just the way he stopped, he nodded and he said, I believe you. And then she got stabbed. Like that was the one moment that I actually saw interesting villain. And I can't even really fault Christopher Eccleston for this. Um, I I would not be shocked if he was, uh, if he was, was either, very disheartened by this ex entire experience or at the very or at at most was like well the paycheck was great and that's why i did it uh which uh and then that this would leave in, into uh, our big question uh, about villains in general but first i would like to hear your thoughts on on malekith justin yeah uh you know while you were talking i was going on wikipedia trying to brush up on what malekith's um so i could speak intelligently right now on what malekith's motivation is and for the life of me i still can't tell you 
Um, I know that his family darkness was is his motivation. Yeah, his his family was killed, but really it was kind of his fault because he was going to unleash a weapon on the nine realms then. Um, so it's like he always wanted to unleash his weapon on the nine realms, even before his family was killed. And then his family gets killed, so now he really wants to unleash it on the nine realms, and he's in suspended animation. But it appearing brings him out of suspended animation, so he wants to unleash this ether on the nine realms and and also he's sort of mad because of his wife and child who he never really talks about again um i on mm-hmm. paper i can't tell you why yeah. he's doing anything except he wants to unleash the ether in the nine realms says he wants to because it's yeah. something to do i guess it's it's wednesday starbucks is closed for covid so i guess let's unleash the ether on the nine realms i guess yeah. that's the plan um, you know, I say that if we get this guy Netflix and maybe some whiskey, he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, or, or at the or, very least, or, look, but, if you're going to, if you are going to so evil Which is, by the way, the plot of Thor in Endgame. <laughs> yeah. If you are going to so evil and destruction for nothing more than the sake of sowing evil and destruction just to watch the world burn at least be interesting while you do it. At, le- at least have the decency to give us like a-, a quirk and a smile and an Iago like turn to the camera and ain't I a badass, ain't I a stinker. You know, some give us something interesting that shows that you're enjoying yourself while you are pursuing your completely unmotivated goal. Maybe it's good that he's so uninteresting because when you really, if, if he were more interesting, you might start thinking about it, right? One of the ways that it's so fun, you know, for people to pick apart the rise of Skywalker, which some people hate, I really like, um, but people hate it because they go, this doesn't make sense. This That's because you're compelled enough to pay attention to the stuff that doesn't <laughs> yeah. make sense. It this, interests you enough guy, to seek out the flaws. Because think, think about this. Asgard is the most powerful of all the nine realms, correct? Correct. Yes, right. And Malekith's entire army was wiped out, correct? Pretty much. So with the, with the barely any remnants of the army he has... He decapitates Asgard. He leaves it in ruins with like five ships. And he used to have way more. Just go like attack Earth. Like you can definitely take out like seven of the realms. But he's like, I'm going to go to sleep for a few thousand years until I can use the ether. I'm only going to use the ether, guys. Yeah. Only going to do it that. Ether or nothing. It makes. Yeah. So I don't know if he's feeling rage. I don't see his rage as justified. And when you're going to have a character who's just enraged and it's not supposed to be funny, you have to justify their rage, i.e. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it's just rage, you have to justify it like Loki he has reasons to be enraged from time mm-hmm. from time to time. And even if you don't, um, there's, there is a way to do it uh, where you don't necessarily provide justification. I think of Iago in Othello. Um, and one of the reasons why Iago is one of Shakespeare's most scary villains, really, is because he does all of this stuff. He says, I hate the more he says i do he you know he engineers um you know the destruction of several people's lives and at the end when somebody you know when you know the watchman who apprehends him is essentially just like why why did you do all these things all he does is just with defiance and says i will tell you nothing so you never know like you never know iago's motivation and that actually is kind of um and in that there's something frightening in that because it implies 
that sometimes people do horrible, awful things, and they want to do horrible, awful things, and you can't explain it. And the fact that you can't explain it is what's terrifying about it. Um, but here's so that the, is so here's 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 where here here's where where poorly made rubber meets meets badly constructed road. In that, as an actor, and look, let's face it, you and I are both actors. We're both trained. Mm-hmm. We both take modern and classical acting training in our training. Correct? Yes. We've seen we've seen each other in both contemporary and classical roles correct Mm -hmm. neither you or i would consider ourselves to be the best actors in the world certainly neither of us would have the hubris to say hey let's base an entire science fiction franchise on our performance correct right all these things are correct so given that you and i as where we exist between enthusiastic amateur and small-time professional which is what we always are and have been when you get a movie star a Hollywood movie star, you should know better than to think that the way to play Yago is to play him with no motivation. If you're playing Yago, it is essential that you know what the answer to that question being asked is. And the audience should be able to see in you that there is a reason, but they will never know what it is. Mm, true. And that is key because otherwise you're twirling your mustache and you're tying the damsel to the tracks. And that's all you're doing. You're relying entirely on your confidence in your own ability to come off as so imposing that it will sell. As the only explanation anyone will ever need. And there are very few people who can do it. Ian McDermott as the Emperor is one of the people who can sort of do it. But there's enough subtext to he wants the Sith to rise that you eventually realize that that he wants power. I don't know what Malekith wants on paper. And I don't see what he wants in the performance. I will. Loki's another great example. I can't tell you what Loki wants. He wants the he wants the 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 throne, but he also kind of wants revenge. He's just kind of mad at the world. And I can more tell you what Loki wants in any given scene than I can tell you his overall mm-hmm. thing. But he always seems, even if I don't get it, he always seems to want something, even if I couldn't tell you what that something is. I don't Malekith know if seems Thor. To... I don't know if Thor: The Dark World is necessarily the worst of the the quote unquote worst of the MCU films. What I can say with certainty is that Malekith is the worst of Marvel villains that we have seen so far. Yeah, I'm trying to think through. We're going to we're going to do a little exercise in 2 or 3 minutes. Um but before we do that, let me and well, I'll do this for the villains. We'll, we'll make it a, a dual a dual pronged exercise, but I do want to ask you what makes a good villain then? If this well, is this a is the bad thing that villain, I'm thinking about cuz I honestly think the our expectation of villains in film has evolved, which is a good thing. Uh Malekith is an example of the of the scary of the dark voice scary villain that uh in the 80s we saw all the time. Um most action films Films, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of action films. It was just this was a guy who looked scary, who had a scar, who did bad things, and that was all that you needed uh, because the story was much more about just the hero and the hero overcoming things. Um, since that time, we have developed an expectation uh, that a villain, to me, a villain either there's essentially two or three things that the best villains have: either a point of view that you can almost understand even if you don't agree with it, um, you know, or at the very very least uh you say that they are driven by this point of view 
uh, you know, someone once asked Willem Dafoe, do you prefer, do you prefer playing uh, heroes or villains? And he said, it's a moot point. Everyone thinks they're the hero. And, you know, Thanos. Uh, Thanos is not a ha-ha funny guy. I don't... I, I'm hard-pressed to think if Thanos has a single laugh line in either of the in either of the uh, Infinity War films, but he is powerful and driving and scary because he is a zealot. He is a true believer in his cause, and that is what makes him particularly interesting. Uh, you know, the Joker uh, in Dark Knight, or really just Joker in any instance. Uh, Sometimes you know about the Joker's motivation, sometimes you don't. I mean, the Joker is a perfect example. Like, to me, the Joker is the prime example of chaotic evil, uh, which is described by some people just like doing evil things, period. But he yeah, does but it with such... His motivation is chaos. Yes, he exactly. And that's the thing. Chaos. But, that's the th he, but he does it with panache and style and charm and verve. Uh, Loki, certainly, you know, Loki is dripping charm and charisma. Um, Richard III, uh, when done right by Shakespeare. The man is pure evil, but he get, wh what makes him work so well is that he gets the audience on his side through sheer dint of charm. Uh, that's what makes an interesting villain. So either, um, and certainly, uh, having a villain who has some moral ambivalence. Maybe they doubt what they're doing. Uh, maybe they're a villain in some circumstances, but not a villain in others. It really depends on where you put them. Uh, all of those things. What is no longer acceptable is this person looks scary, wants to do or and does bad things for a reason we don't understand, and has no sense of self and has no sense of self-awareness or meta-commentary on the bad things that they are doing. Um, to me, that is your absolute flattest villain. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you can get away with a lot by having so we talked about hopkins right so one of the mm -hmm. key villains in the in the 80s late 80s was hannibal lecter right and yeah. and hannibal lecter is a great example of or 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 his his less refined cousin freddy krueger um great example of characters that they don't think they're the hero they know they're the villain they know mm -hmm. what they're doing is evil and they like doing it because it's evil but they bring the meta commentary that you're talking about, they're bringing with the wry performance. So there is a sense where where they're able to drip. Uh, there is an implied meta commentary of look how evil I am. Isn't this fun to mm -hmm. what they're doing? Yeah. Um, and it alone provides that commentary. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Completely. That, that, um, and I think that that when you have, you can do it without that. Uh, I'm certainly thinking of No Country for Old Men as a time where the, where the wryness is gone and it's just brutal. But you need, you know, you, that's, you need Oscar caliber actor to be yeah. able to bring you need someone, something. You need someone who can master dark. the, you can need someone who can master the dead behind the eyes look, which is very hard to do. And there is no, it's just, it, I think flat is a great example flat confusing don't know why he's doing what he's doing and ultimately it just seems like all you need to do is 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 the plot of the movie seems to be get him in a room with thor so thor can beat him up yeah and that's a that's a that's a huge problem i don't need a sympathetic villain certainly you have and i don't even need a, a, a villain where you are at least understand their point of view um, Obadiah Stane is is you know called sometimes one of the worst villains. I kind of like him because he's motivated by greed. Yeah, he's he's he is, straightforward. He is he is, he is a uh, and I don't even think he sees himself as a hero. I think it's untrue that all villains see themselves as the hero. I think that all villains see themselves as justified 
in their ambitions. And that's different mm -hmm. than seeing yourself as a hero. Or at least the protagonist. You know, yeah. Yeah. As a pro protagonist of their own story where where their desire for what they want trumps everything, um, pun, pun intended, um, for for what anybody else might want. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, there are great examples of that. Um, whether it's an ideologue like the the operative in Serenity, or it's someone who is just greedy, and you know what? I'm going to get mine. Yeah. I'm going to get mine. I mean, let's, and there are many ways, and there, there are Obadiah many arguments to be made about how Obadiah Stane is the absolute most realistic villain in the entire MCU. Because let's yeah, face it, just, when it comes to motive, when it comes to a common motivation for evil in the world, there is not much that trumps greed. Yeah, like like the 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 sense uh, the the sense of manifest destiny. I. I have a worldview that says everybody should be trying to get what they want as hard as they can. And I am too. And I'm more successful at it than everyone else because I'm willing to do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that is, you know, I, I don't even see that here. There is yeah. literally no what motivation. Does, what does, what does Malekith have to gain from bringing darkness? Yeah. And, and it's, it would be one thing if he was like a good guy who then saw his wife and son die and just thinks that the, the, the world, like, but they, they don't really play into that. And he wanted to see the world die before any of this happened. He's just mm -hmm. evil because he's evil. And it's, yeah. it's, it's week so mm -hmm. i would like to do this uh we're gonna do it twice and we do it really quickly uh we're gonna go through uh we're gonna assume that no one has placed thor the dark world on this list and we're gonna go from what is considered to be the best to the worst marvel film and we're just gonna say gun to your head above or below this okay film. all right gun to your head above or below go. here we go uh black panther below below avengers endgame below below iron man below below Thor Ragnarok. Below. Below. Spider-Man Homecoming. Below. Below. Marvel's The Avengers. Below. Below. Civil War. Below. Below. Guardians of the Galaxy. Below. Below. Spider-Man Far From Home. Below. Below. Captain America The Winter Soldier. Below. Below. And side note, that deserves to be higher on this list. Way higher. Um, uh, Doctor Strange. Below. Below. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Below. Below. Infinity War. Below. That deserves to be way higher. Below. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Below. Below. Ant-Man. I want to keep this in mind. Here's here's my case for Ant-Man. Ant-Man in introduced us visually to the microverse and being able to be small and what that all Point looked below. like. below. Um, and, and had successful comedy. Captain America, the first Avenger. Below. Below. Iron Man 3. Above. Above Iron Man 3. Interesting. I think so. Iron Man 3 is I a movie so. that, I, or it's, that has... You're, that, right, now we're, right now we're into territory where it's like, man, it just depends on my mood that day. Yeah. Um, I will say Iron Man 3, I think, is a, is a good movie wrapped around a bad ending. Um, there's a lot about Iron Man three I like, and I think it, it, it craps the bed at the end. But okay, so we're we're now in the area. Captain Marvel below below Thor. Captain Marvel should be higher too. The original Thor. Ah, uh, I mean now that I've watched them back to back, I'd actually say above above Thor. Yeah, Avengers: Age of Ultron, which should be much higher. Below below Iron Man two above above for me. The Incredible Hulk. Oh, I remember nothing of that film. So uh, above, so pr uh, above, above. So what we're saying is above the Incredible Hulk, above Iron Man two, and above Iron Man three. So you are saying it's the fourth worst, and I'm saying it's the third. Strange. I am today. Now, yeah, t today. Real quick, specifically Malekith. Let's see if we're we're correct. Uh, Killmonger. 
just 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 skip to the end below. I I, I just like listing bad guys. So bear with me. It'll take us two more minutes. I, th- this is my favorite thing in the world to do. We're ten minutes uh, over uh, already. Th- below. Go. Thanos. Go. Go. Below. Thanos. Below. Uh. Uh. What's below? Name? Hella. Vulture. Below. Loki. Below. Ooh. Baron Zemo. Below. Uh, I, I'm going to say above, but I feel like the villain of Civil War is the conflict itself. Um. Ooh. Uh. The um. What's his name? The 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 blue guy from Guardians of the Galaxy. Why are Dan we doing Tonka. this below? Below. So you're just going to say he's the worst. <laughs> I'm going to say with I. I'm going to say that I am certain as I am that I love my wife that I despise Malekith. Okay. I am. I'm going to say that I. I dislike Malekith a lot. Um, I think a case can be made for uh, Lee Pace's character in Guardi- Guardians of the Galaxy, and I and maybe what's his name from Ant Man, the original Ant Man, the uh, Dis- Yellow Jacket. Disagree, Sorry. Lee Pace's character, because Ronan, the accused, is driven by a very powerful zealot's motivation, and he has a dance off at the end, and exact- that alone both the- both things that point him way above. Because if Malekith at the end had a dance off, you'd be like, oh crap, okay, this is. Crazy. Oh, we'd be having a very okay, different so- discussion here um on a scale of of on a scale of of one to five infinity stones what would you rate thor thor the dark world i would give this a 3.5 today i think interesting i i found it more enjoyable than it would like three is it was worth my money i found it slightly more enjoyable than it was worth my money question a, a qualifying question if this movie had a better reputation than it did and it came in subverting the negative expectation. Do you think you'd still give it a three five, or you think you'd give it a three? Um, does it does it benefit from being better than you thought it would be? It probably. I mean, it's also worth noting that if this film had come out in the mid nineties, it would have been the best damn thing that anyone had ever seen on film. That's fair. That's fair. Um, for me, gosh, I am so torn because because certainly I I've given like movies that don't belong anywhere on this list higher than a three five. Um, so what do you do with when you're one of the worst of the best? Um, I'm going to give it a three, five, probably boosted for the same reason. Um, I don't see any reason to ever watch it again, unless I'm showing it to someone who hasn't seen it before. But if I'm forced to watch it, I'm not going to hate watching it while I do it. So I, I'll give it a, I'll give it a three, five, but I'm being generous, uh, for that point five. Um, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, uh, they finally figure out what to do with Thor, um, uh, I guarantee we're talking about a film that's going to be way higher than a 3.5. Taika Waititi's brilliant, or is it? We'll find out. Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I am super looking forward to this discussion. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, we'll be um, back then. But until that time, but, hey there, true believers. My name is Justin. And my name wait, is you're Arthur. Messing, you... Oh wait, no, I totally, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. <laughs> ah, Dude, you've up. thrown me all off with the you stupid villain list. You are the flattest list. of all endings. <laughs> I blame the stupid villain list. I am Arthur. I didn't like the villain <laughs> list. My name is Justin. (laughs) And hey there, true believers. Stay dark and uninteresting. (laughs) Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, Search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Endlight Entertainment. 